today, Revelation 22, talking about heaven. As I think about this message, I think about my grandmother. She was one of my biggest cheerleaders in life and ministry, and I remember visiting her in the hospital. And I remember having a conversation with her, and I remember hearing my grandmother say, I'm just tired. And I said, yeah, I understand. You've been through a lot, a lot of physical issues. And then she said, I just want to go home. And I had some conversation with her about that, and I come to realize she's not talking about her little house out in the country. She's talking about going home and being with the Lord. And she desired and she longed to be with Jesus in her life. Do you and I long and desire for heaven? This weekend's been a pretty difficult weekend. As you know, the grand family, their son passed away unexpected. Life is so uncertain. Had a phone conversation last night with someone that we love back in Florida. He put his wife in hospice care last night. Probably her days on this earth are limited. One of my dearest friends in life who's a pastor called me last night and said, I've never had this to happen before. What would you do in the morning? He got news late yesterday afternoon, early evening. His student minister had a heart attack and died. And his church are dealing with that this morning. Life is very fragile. Life is very uncertain. And as you and I think about the eternal options, what happens to when someone dies? There are only two eternal options, heaven or hell. And so I want to ask you this morning, how does a person go to heaven? I encourage you to look at your outline. I want to give you these words. Number one, being good. Does a person go to heaven because he or she is good? The answer is no. Look at the second one, giving money. Does a person go to heaven when he or she gives money, maybe large amounts of money? And the answer, again, from God's word is no. Third, being religious. There are a lot of religious deeds that you and I can do, but does a person go to heaven by being religious? The answer, again, from God's word is no. And number four, trusting Christ. How does a person go to heaven? A person goes to heaven by trusting Jesus Christ as his or her Savior. And so in the room and those who are watching, I want to encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, again, there are only two eternal options, heaven or hell. We pray this morning, and we have been praying on this special Sunday, that you would give your life, your heart, everything to Jesus Christ to be saved. The Bible says this, Romans 3.23, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love for us, that Jesus Christ died for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, Whosoever would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the Word of God. And so we just encourage you here or watching around the world, if you need Jesus Christ in your life, listen, we've all sinned. God loves you and me. Jesus Christ died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. He loves you and wants to change your life today. Give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ this very day. As I've shared with you before, just a few weeks ago, Angela had the opportunity of meeting Dr. Charles Stanley. And when we sat in his office, he ultimately, as we got ready to leave, he wanted to pray for us. And he said, I want to speak a word of God's word over your lives and your ministry. And we said, absolutely. What would that be? And he turned to Colossians chapter 3. 
Beginning in verse 1, as Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Dr. Stanley said, I want to challenge you all to make sure, yes, you're going to live life on this earth, but make sure, though, you're thinking about the things of heaven in your life. And as you and I think about this idea of heaven, uh, there are many things that come in. Listen, heaven is real, not because the little boy wrote a book. Heaven is real because the Word of God says so. Heaven is real because Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 3, said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Heaven is real because David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Psalm 23, 6 says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven is real because God's Word says so. Now, church, I want to encourage you. Turn back to Acts chapter 17 just for a moment. As I have a desire for you, I desire that you as a congregation would be like the Bereans. You say, well, I don't know much about them. What, what about them? Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And here's what was so special about them to the heart of the Apostle Paul. It says, They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I just encourage you, come to worship. Come to your connect group with, with a copy of the Word of God and that when the Word of God is taught or preached, you can examine it to make sure that that lesson, that message, it's faithful to God's Word. Be students of the Word of God in your life. Now, as I think about that, there are many questions out there about heaven. People are asking and people are giving answers to. For example, what are we going to do in heaven? There are other folks who are asking, is, is heaven going to be boring? And we answered that last week. Absolutely not. Is heaven going to be like one long church service? Uh, many people ask, do dogs go to heaven? You know, I've never heard anybody ask if cats go to heaven. It's always about dogs. And then some people say, well, when we get to heaven, are we going to sit on clouds, play harps, and eat angel food cake? We're not going to do that forever and forever. It was like the couple, they were 85 years old, husband and wife, George and Sue. And George and Sue took care of themselves, been married 65 years. They were tragically killed in an automobile accident at the same time. They make their way to heaven. An angel welcomes them and takes them to their mansion. And George sees the mansion. He walks in, looks around. He thinks, this is quite elaborate. Didn't really think it was going to be like this. And so he looked at it. There was The furniture was gold. There were marble floors. There was a waterfall in the bathroom. And George said to the angel, how much does this cost to live here? And the angel said, well, nothing. This is heaven. It's your reward. And George just shook his head. He couldn't get over that thing. How in the world are we going to live here and it doesn't cost us anything? He looked out from the front porch and he saw this beautiful golf course, the most beautiful golf course you would ever see in your life. And George said to the angel, I'd like to play there. How much does it cost to play that golf course? And the angel said, well, George, it doesn't cost anything. This is heaven. It's your reward. And he's shaking his head again. And then he walked into the clubhouse of the golf course. He saw this amazing buffet of food, steak, seafood, desserts galore. And he said to the angel, I'd like to have something to eat. How much does this cost? And the angel said, George, again, this is heaven. Nothing. It's your reward. And George said, well, are there any low-calorie options, gluten-free options? And the angel said, George, you don't have to worry. You can eat all you want off that buffet. You'll never gain weight. You'll never get sick. This is heaven. It's your reward. 
And George turned and looked at Sue, who had been married 65 years, and he said, if it hadn't been for your oatmeal and your brand muffins, we could have been here 25 years ago. <laughs> what is heaven going to be like? Well, I want you to know this. According to Revelation chapter 13, as you and I think about heaven, and it's good to laugh together, as we think about heaven, I want you to know this in Revelation 13, that we have an enemy. He's a liar. He is doing everything he can to deceive you and me and lead us astray. But in Revelation chapter 13, verse 6, it says, It, talking about the beast, opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name, blaspheming his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Revelation 13, verse 6. What do we know about the enemy? He is blaspheming the name, the holiness of God. He's blaspheming those who are in heaven, and he's blaspheming the dwelling of God, which is heaven itself. That's his goal. What is heaven going to be like? Some things we can only imagine, but I want to take some time here from God's Word, give you some insight on that. So look at your outline with me just for a moment. Number one, what is heaven going to be like? Number one, a holy city. As you and I look at this text in Revelation 21, verse 2, the Bible says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What does it mean for the New Jerusalem to be a holy city? Now, as you and I think about that, let me ask you this. Is Las Vegas a holy city? Is Nashville a holy city? Is Clarksville a holy city? Why is the New Jerusalem holy? Here's why. It's holy because God is there. It's holy because Satan and sin are absent. It's holy because the will of God will be carried out to perfection. And as you and I think about the holy city, we have to understand this. In the holy city, there's not going to be any nightclubs. There are going to be no casinos. There are going to be no drive-by shootings or murders. None of those things are going to be a part of the holy city. It is going to be absolutely perfect. But I do know this, that in the holy city, as we saw in Revelation 22, his servants will worship him. There is going to be celebrative worship in heaven forever and forever and forever. And you say, well, what, what do you mean by that? We, hey, we were in San Antonio, Texas in 2007, attending the Southern Baptist Convention. We were staying in a hotel on the Riverwalk overlooking the, the Alamo where the Spurs played basketball. The Spurs were in town playing for the NBA championship. And lo and behold, when we were in San Antonio, Texas for the Southern Baptist Convention, the very night we were there, they won the NBA championship, national champions in basketball, and the city erupted with celebration. I mean, I would look out the window of the hotel. Every, I mean, the streets were lined with cars. They were cheering on people on sidewalks. They were blowing the horns literally all night long. They were celebrating a national championship in basketball. And churches we gathered this morning in person or online, we have every reason to celebrate. And you know why? Here's why. Jesus Christ has defeated death and the grave. He is alive. And so if you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, say amen. And as you say that, please understand, because of the cross and his resurrection, Jesus Christ has defeated death and the grave. We are alive in him. We also know this, that because of his death and resurrection, he has radically saved us and transformed us. You are no longer dead in your sins. You are alive in Jesus Christ this morning if you are a believer. 
praise the Lord for his salvation and the promise we have in him. But also we know this, that he is guaranteed for those of us who are believers, a place in heaven forever and forever. I go to prepare a place for you that way where I am, you may be also. Our reservation in heaven is guaranteed. Praise the Lord. As I say that, uh, we were going to a pastor's conference in Atlanta, Georgia, many, many years ago, and, and I had an assignment. We had six pastors who were going to go together. They gave me an assignment, and my assignment was to book three hotel rooms with two double beds in each room. That way every pastor would have a bed. So we make our way to Atlanta, Georgia. We get to the hotel that afternoon. I'm standing at the front desk and said, I have a reservation. Have three rooms, two double beds, or six of us. And the reservation person there at the front desk says, we've got a problem with your reservation. I said, oh, no, what's the problem? She said, we don't have three rooms or two double beds. We have one room with one king bed. And I said, man, we have six pastors And you're saying we have one room with one king bed. Can you get us some more rooms or another hotel? And she said, no more rooms at this hotel, no room in the inn. But also there are no rooms in downtown Atlanta. Everything is sold out. The best we can do for you, one room, one king bed, six pastors. There wasn't a single pastor wanted to sleep in the bed. They were on the floor. They were in chairs. But we stayed there three nights. But let me make a hallelujah statement to you. Jesus is never going to mess up your reservation or my reservation in heaven. It is guaranteed in him. Never going to mess it up. So when you and I think about heaven, what is heaven going to be like? Well, it's going to be a holy city. God's going to be there. Satan and sin are going to be absent. His will is going to be carried out to perfection. We are going to worship him forever and forever and forever. Number two, a safe environment. Look at this text. It says in, word, in God's word, Revelation twenty-one twenty-five, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. I think about that phrase, and it took me back when I was growing up in life. And when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in a place that I felt like it was safe. And here's what I mean. When I grew up, we wouldn't do this today at all, but when I grew up, we never locked our doors. I mean, we went to bed at night, and the doors were never locked. They were always open. When we got out of the car at night and we walked into the house, we always left our keys in the ignition. We never took them out. No one ever broke in. No one ever stole the car. You wouldn't do that today. But when I think about heaven being a safe environment, please understand this. In heaven, you're not going to need home security systems on your mansion. In heaven, police aren't going to have anything to do. In heaven, there's no need for a court system. In heaven, there's no need for judges. There's no need for any of those things. But also understand, in heaven, it is going to be a safe environment because Jesus is there and Jesus is watching you and me. There are no jails in heaven either. It's a safe environment. There was a burglar who broke in a house one night, and uh, the house was dark. He had a flashlight. He's looking around to see what he could find. And he sees a laptop computer, shined it with his flashlight. He picked it up, and there was a voice that spoke out in the room, said, Jesus is watching you. I mean, scared the guy to no end. He almost jumped out of his shoes. Jesus is watching you. And so looked around, didn't see anything. He saw this beautiful TV, so he picks it up. He's going to take it as well. And when he grabbed the TV, the voice said again, Jesus is watching you. And he shines a light around. He sees a parrot in a cage. And the burglar said to the parrot, did you say that? And the parrot said, yes, I did. And the parrot said, I'm trying to warn you. And so the burglar said, who in the world are you anyway? And he said, my name is Moses. And the burglar said, 
what kind of person would name a parrot Moses? And the parrot said, the same person who would name an aggressive pit bull Jesus. <laughs> but here's what I know about heaven. It's a holy city. God is there. Satan is sinner absent. His will is going to be carried out to perfection. We're going to worship him forever and forever. But also I want you to know this. Jesus in heaven is watching you and me. It is a safe environment. No crime, no murders, no drive-by shootings, no need to be afraid, no need to be anxious, no need to be worried. It is going to be perfect and safe. Number three, a relational Savior. Look at this text. It says again, Revelation 22, 4, they will see his face. In the room or watching online, just let that sink into your life. They will see his face. As I think about the word of God and specifically John chapter 14 again, here's what Jesus said there in this passage. We read this at funerals a lot. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions. And he wanted to say, if, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will once again come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Conversation happened. Lord, we don't know all about this. And then Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Understand that text. And again, not just about going to heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Can you imagine spending eternity with Jesus? Listen to the heart of the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians. Paul gives us some insights about his own heart, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he says, For we walk by faith, not by sight, for we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Philippians chapter 1, this great passage that we read oftentimes to people, Paul said, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. Now understand, Paul lived his life with a win-win attitude. If I'm going to be alive, I'm going to serve Christ. If I die, I'm going to be with Christ. And then here was his desire, though. My desire is to part and to be with Christ, for that is far better. <laughs> Understand, when you, when you hear Paul, he never said, I, I want to die and go to heaven. He said, well, I want to die and I want to be with Christ. Jesus was the focus for him in heaven. Now, and I understand, I, I, I can't wait to see the streets of gold and the crystal clear water can't wait to see the gates and the walls. As I think about heaven, I can't wait to be able to, to meet saints throughout the ages. I can't wait to be around believing loved ones again. That's going to be glorious. When I think about heaven, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to have no pains in life. 
You get up in the morning and there's some aches. You're hard to get out of bed. Those things are going to be over. I can't imagine those things, but please understand my next statement. The greatest aspect of heaven for me, those things are marvelous and wonderful, but I can't imagine what it's going to be like to see the very face of the one who died on Calvary's cross and gave his life and shed his blood and victorious over the grave to be able to see him face to face. What a glorious thought that's going to be. And I would imagine with that song, I'm going to be on my knees and my face before him. When I look back and say, Lord Jesus, as a young boy sitting on our basement steps, you saved me and changed my life. Lord Jesus, you called me into ministry. It was not a career choice for me. Hey, I think I ought to do this. It'll be great. No, no, God, you called me to do this. And I I got up every morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, to spend time with you and to grow in my relationship to you and be deeper and more intimate with you. And I've sought to lead your churches and to serve you all of these days of my life, been able to travel all over the world, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and being able to look at him face to face. I can only imagine what that's going to be like. And again, I don't think I'm going to stand there boastful. I don't think I'm going to be there proud If I had my preference at this point, I think I'll be on my knees in my face, worshiping him. He is a relational savior. Number four is a diverse people. What's heaven going to be like? Well, we find a diversity of people. There's going to be people from every nation in heaven. As you and I think about Jesus' crucifixion, Calvary's cross, As we think about him being buried in a tomb and then on Easter Sunday morning, resurrection morning, stones rolled away, the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ is alive. He appeared to his disciples and he gave them what we know as the Great Commission where he said what? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We read the book of Acts and we see in the book of Acts where the gospel spread. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We see our persecution motivated that and pushed the gospel out. And because of what he said, then there were people going literally everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. People were being saved and lives are being changed. That is exactly what the heart of God said would happen. And then we come to Revelation 7, which is one of my favorite passages And it just says this, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. What were they doing? Crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. People from every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language. Heaven is going to be a diverse place. And as I look back at ministry and as I look back and see what God's been able to do in my life, and I I, I go back to Santiago, Chile, where my first international mission experience, being able to go there and share the gospel and see people come to Christ, one day I'm going to be able to stand in heaven with people from Santiago, Chile. I think about going to Russia and those public schools, being able to minister there and get to know those students and faculty, but to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ and see multitudes upon multitudes turn from their sin, give their lives to Jesus Christ, knowing many, many people from Russia are going to be in heaven. We'll be together forever and forever. 
going to Africa, going to China, going to the Dominican Republic, going to Brazil, going to Canada, all these places around the world that we've been able to be and realize one day we're going to be in heaven together. Why? It is a diverse people who are going to be there. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. And some people look at it and say, well, will the Great Commission ever be fulfilled? Yes, it will be. We see that in Revelation 7. When God makes a promise to you and me, He will always bring it to completion every single time. So as you and I think about heaven, what is it going to be like? Well, Holy City, New Jerusalem. Safe environment. Nothing that we fear now is going to be there. A relational Savior. We're going to see His face. And then just a diverse people. Before COVID, I was at a shopping mall and I was standing in line at Chick-fil-A. And I was, I was going to get something to eat for lunch. And so I'm standing in line at Chick-fil-A. The line's a little long. So as you know, they're in the mall, in the food court, there are people coming, hundreds of people coming and going. So I'm standing in line and, and they're giving out free chicken samples. And so I'm standing in line. I'm going to get a meal, get something to eat. And so the lady comes over to me and says, "Will you like a, a sample?" And I absolutely, I love anything free like that. So I took a chicken sample and had it. it was delicious. Well, I'm still standing in line, and lo and behold, the lady came back again and said, "Would you like another piece of chicken?" Well, I'm not going to turn anything free like that down, especially chicken. So I took another piece, and then I said to her, "I said, here's what's troubling me, though. Why are you trying to give me chicken samples?" I'm standing in line. I'm a customer. I'm going to buy a meal in just a few minutes. What about all these hundreds of people who are walking by? They're not standing in line. I'd be serving them. And then they could get in line and buy chicken. But churches, we think about hell, but also about heaven. Are we seeking to reach the already convinced, or are we seeking to reach those who are not convinced? If we're not careful, we're going to give samples to people who are already Right in a relationship with Christ if we're not careful. Let's make sure we identify people who do not know him and to say the gospel is for you. Jesus Christ gave his life for you. And we can communicate the gospel in a spirit of love to say what? Yes, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God demonstrates his love for you in this, that while you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. That the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That if you will call on the name of the Lord, that is the Lord who lived a sinless life, sacrificial death, glorious resurrection. If you'll call on his name, he will save you. That's what the Bible says. And then a verse that so many people know we've heard already. For God so loved the world, he loves you, that he gave his only begotten son. Let's offer the gospel to them and see Jesus Christ change their lives. And so I want us to bow our heads together because this is one of those times in the service, those in the room and those who are watching, that we're asking the Holy Spirit to move. And with heads bowed, here's what we want to encourage you in this room. How does a person go to heaven? Being good? No. Giving money? No. Being religious? No. Trusting Christ? Yes. Our pastoral staff is going to be right here in front, and so we're encouraging you that if you don't know that, you're not assured of that, 
that you would step out and you'd walk down one of the aisles, you'd come to one of us and say, today I need assurance that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. Let him give you that assurance. He'll change your life. If you need to be baptized, we encourage you to obey. If you want to join the fellowship of our church, we encourage you to obey. If there's another spiritual decision you want to make, we encourage you to obey. Maybe you're just broken over someone who's on the wrong road and don't have the assurance of spending eternity in heaven. We encourage you to come and to pray here at the altar in front. And then those who are watching online, we want to encourage you wherever you are in the world that you would surrender your life to Jesus Christ as well. He loves you as well. Gave his life for you. He'll change your life wherever you are in your living room, bedroom, wherever you may be. He'll change your life if you'll call on the name of the Lord. And you say, well, I don't know how to do that. If you'll comment to us, you'll email us. We'd love to help you and and celebrate with you as you turn from your sin and give your life to Jesus to be your Savior. On this Sunday, we're just asking, as we always do, for the Holy Spirit to move in this room or those who are watching and that you put your trust and faith in Christ and be obedient to him. And then when we all get to heaven, what a glorious, wonderful day that's going to be. Father, we thank you for Jesus. It's all about him. We thank you for his sinless life. We thank you for his death. We thank you for his burial, his resurrection. And Father, we thank you for the invitation you've given us. When we ask people to come, we're not asking them to come to us. We're asking them to come to you. And we get to serve you and we get to help people. But Lord, you're the one who changes people's lives. And so in this room are those who are watching how I pray today for salvation to come to the lives of people. What a glorious day that would be. And Father, I pray today for others who need to make spiritual decisions that they would make those decisions as well. And Father, we want to see lives changed because we know the gospel bears fruit and we can have the assurance that we're going to heaven when this life is over. So thank you, Lord Jesus, as we pray this in your name. We wait upon you and the movement of the Holy Spirit to draw people to yourself and that we can celebrate decisions being made for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.